Hi there. Why am I talking like that? Fuck's sake. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to another episode. I was sorry, I was suddenly possessed by the ghost of Hank Williams. I thought you were going for Yosemite Sam, but neither oh, of right. those things relate to what we're looking at, so <laughs> either would be bizarre. <laughs> Both references that maybe if we've got young viewers will have no idea who the fuck they are. Like Hank Williams has been dead for like I was gonna say a hundred years, but no. He he would have been a hundred maybe when he was alive or maybe more than that I don't know anyway he was just some he, what was his famous song you're cheating heart he's a singing cowboy or something and Yosemite Sam is just a mad ginger dwarf who wears a big <laughs> cowboy hat with guns no yes. the, guns, the guns aren't on his hat which would be funny if the guns were on his hat it would be cool if he had a hat made out of guns agreed Yosemite Sam, now this has have absolutely nothing to do with um, our topic, which is trickster gods, but maybe he is a sort of trickster god. I don't know. Trickster gods of the Hanna Bar, is it Hanna Barbera? No, it's not, is it? It's fucking Warner Brothers. Who's Warner Brothers? And surely Bugs Bunny is the trickster god of Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah, because he does deceive people by, like, like Loki does, by cross dressing as a female bunny to annoy Elmer Fudd or seduce him. And he falls for it every time, which is really weird, isn't it? Because it's kind of like bestiality there. No? Yeah, I mean... It's a cartoon. Let's not overanalyze it. Does he ever try to seduce Yosemite Sam? Or is it just... Um... No, Yosemite... I'm sure I remember seeing something about... There was like a rape joke with no. Yosemite Sam. He was in the jail and he, he got thrown in the jail with like a massive goon type guy. And it, and it was implied that the, the guy was going to prison rape him. I mean. <laughs> but then cartoons were different back then, you know. Sorry, I, I am listening, but I realised with the thing that I'm going to talk about, the other trickster is a Br'er Rabbit. Yeah, but you're not same, allowed like, to talk culture. about that. You're not allowed to talk about that because that's racist, apparently. It's racist. Do you know what? I never got to see Talking about Br'er Rabbit is racist. Well, yeah, I mean, it's totally not cool because it's all in the South, isn't it? Oh, no, I mean, like, the actual Br'er Rabbit, like, the... What? Like, African folk. Not the cartoon, like, the actual... Not the actual... Yeah, well, see, that's the thing, like... What is racist about... No, I can't. I'm going to get myself into trouble. I'm also about to say what's so racist about Song of the South. Isn't it just telling you black folk folk tales? Like what you're saying? <laughs> or is it because... I don't know if I'm on board with that one. <laughs> is it... Be... What if they just... But ate... Br'er Rabbit was a pre-existing African folk tale no, exactly. before Song of Why the South was made. That? But also... I realised that in the tiny bit that I read about Br'er Rabbit that I was like, wait, I'm saying is Bugs Bunny not a trickster? Br'er Rabbit and Bugs Bunny are basically the same character. But one's for white folks and one's for black. And the first thing that came up when I uh, googled it was African trickster rabbit tales uh, came to America and were uh, So are you saying that Bugs Bunny is black appropriation? Cultural appropriation? Like yeah, stole from that is him. basically what popped into my head and what this article yeah. saying. So it's saying Br'er Rabbit is one of the characters from the Anansi Fables, um, yeah. which is what I'm going to talk about in a minute. Uh, yes. But the National Humanities Centre of America has explained that while Br'er Rabbit came to life within uh, African-American folklore of the Deep South, there are certainly elements that exist in the 
trickster lagomorph legends around which Bugs Bunny are based. Okay. And the original creator of Bugs Bunny has stated that it is the case that Bugs Bunny was directly inspired by Br'er Rabbit. Or copied and stolen. Yes, or stolen from African culture. Right, well, tell us more about Br'er Rabbit then and the Nancy. I'll tell you more about Nancy, uh, and uh, I'll look back round to Br'er Rabbit eventually. That was, I mean, that wasn't random because you would think I would have made that connection earlier, but that was weird that you started, that thought you were being Yosemite Sam, we started talking about Bugs Bunny, and it just suddenly pinged in my head that I was like, wait, they're exactly the same character. That is amazing. (laughs) I've got magic coincidental powers, or maybe I do have. Which draft books you've got? It must be. I ordered 600. I got 660. Or, I was going to say 666, but I'm not sure if that's how many I got. Like maybe numbers. 661 or something. Various witchcraft books from Etsy. Which they um, then refunded me. And I've still got them. It's almost the perfect amount of witchcraft books to have. A bit too many. I mean, it's taking a while. <laughs> You've got a whole lifetime to read them. It's fine. Well, yeah, that's right. Everyone knows I'm immortal, so. I'll outlive you all. Oh, so jealous. On the internet. <laughs> problem is, I, I'm I'm not getting any younger, though. That's the problem. I can't stop the aging <laughs> process. I'm going to be like, there's what, I'm going to be like Goldie Hawn at the end of Death Becomes Her, just like pure rotten and falling apart. <laughs> you can be the monstrous old crone that lives in the woods with your 661 books of the crafts. <laughs> yeah, but if my iPad doesn't work, I'm not going to be able to access them. I don't think you get Wi-Fi in the woods, Mark. <laughs> have to print them all out. Imagine the amount of trees I'd have to kill to do that. I mean, you're going to be immortal. You're going to live until after like the like massive tech bubble burst, so it's fine. There won't be any internet. Yeah, no, I've got plenty of text to memorize. Come to your for your wisdom. Anyway, must be a magic Nancy. spell it. Okay, yeah, Nancy. Right, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. So, as you mentioned before, we started recording. We have kind of like vaguely mentioned. Nancy before I think we talked about um very briefly when we were doing the giant spiders episode no I think it was a different one but I can't remember but we definitely did speak about him but we just sort of briefly touched on him and then I mm-hmm. think we talked about skunk and Nancy um, <laughs> and skin she's great anyway um I wanted to do a Nancy because one of my favorite books when I was younger was Nancy Boys <laughs> by yep. Ryan Malko by Brian Mulco. Well, that's why I read the So I bought the book Nancy no Boy because Nancy Boy was obviously my probably my favourite song when we were younger. It's still one of my favourite songs now. Um, it does say, uh, yeah, it slaps. It, it slaps and is very clearly about me or about me when we were younger. It's definitely not yeah, about me. Yeah, that's right. Brian Mulco wrote Nancy Boy specifically about you, Mark. Yeah, it's not about him. No. <laughs> it's clearly about me. Of course. I mean, I did just to do my makeup in my room and douse myself with cheap perfume. I'd... And he sang it personally to you when we went to see that him that time, remember? He did. Serenaded you, called you a big Nancy boy. <laughs> he pointed at me and screamed, this is specifically for you. <laughs> okay. And elaborate. So, bought Nancy the book boys. Nancy Boys because of the song Nancy Boy. Which is then, you know how Neil Gaiman is one of my favourite authors who wrote American Gods, which we Oh yeah, he's awesome. So Neil Gaiman wrote Nancy Boys. So that was the first Neil Gaiman. No, 
So that was the first Neil Gaiman book that I ever read. So in my head, I'm like, yeah, this, I'm doing this. So Anansi... I've not read a single one. Maybe I should start. Oh, you should. They're really good. Okay. Um, his short stories are amazing. You'd love them. They're so weird. Weirder the better, I say. Yeah. So Anansi... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I've lost my train of thought now. That's my magic happening. I've, I've, I've fogged your mind. <laughs> Witch's cackle. All right. Nancy, who is the main character in. Nancy Boys? Nancy Boys. <laughs> Come on, Mark. You're the one that introduced us to it. You can't even remember the title already. <laughs> what have you been smoking this week? I don't know. My brain's gone to mushy mushy pickles um so he is an akan god sort of we'll come back to that no sorry an akian god uh akia is the, the main Swedish furniture store <laughs> it's the main traditional furniture store <laughs> yeah. ah. Ikea. <laughs> is that Now, again, this is bizarre because I didn't realise that until I said until I said it out loud and you said that back to me. And I meant to tell you before we started recording, which I'll keep for another time because nobody cares. Um, I read a really good short horror story set in an Ikea as one of the best short horror stories I've ever read. Well, no, because I could understand that because you do tend to, like, Ikea is quite sinister because yeah. you go in and you can't get back out the same way you came in. You're forced to go around in a certain way. That's the, the basically that's the premise of the horror story. Like once you go in, you can't go out the same way. Anyway, oh right, I'm going to try this one more time because <laughs> very very bad at staying linear today. Apparently I've caught ADHD. Um, Anansi, he is the Achaean god of mischief and tricks. The uh, Achaean religion is the traditional religion of Ghana originally. Uh, although it also is one of the major traditional religions of the Ivory Coast, Togo, and a more modern religion in Caribbean countries due to the transatlantic slave trade. Right, okay. What about Southern America then? Uh, Yeah, basically anywhere where there's a former sort of Mm. slave-based faith, he does kind of exist. Like, we might also, I don't think we did, but he's a... Also one of the lower, which I'll come back to. So yeah, he's he's kind of a god. He's a god all about the place. As well as being the god of tricks and mischief, he's also the god of knowledge, the god of wisdom, and the god of storytelling. Yeah, he good, good set of skills. Most commonly appears in the form of a spider. Anansi is the West African word for spider, hence skunk Anansi. Is that where that comes from? Yeah. Skunk also, spider. I'm going to show you, I'm going to send you a picture of the spider that is like the, which confuses me because I'm like the Anansi spider, surely, and Ghanaian would be the Anansi Anansi, but I'll send you a picture of the Anansi Anansi. Right, well, I think it's a really cool spider. I'm not going to be able to see it because I don't have my phone with me right now. Okay, well, when you do, you'll see it. Okay. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's really cool. It's um like... It looks like one of those jumping spiders. You can really see its eyes very clearly. And all of its eyes are kind of greeny as opposed to black. And it's got two legs that it carries pointing up the way. The other six are down. So it looks like it's doing a wee like, whoa! Like hands in the air. Like, is it waving at you? Yeah. 
and its butt looks kind of like a headdress. It's all feathery, like like tarantula feathers, but like really thick. And it's like bright orange, deep orange and bright blue. It's, it's really cool. It's a very beautiful spider. I love it. I bet it dances about. It so does. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So Anansi is often called by followers of uh, Akia. Uh, is often called Nancy, Aunt Nancy, or Sister Nancy by his followers. Sister Nancy? Sister Nancy, even though, which again, me, Nancy, (laughs) me and Nancy and Brian Moko having similar vibes here, uh, even though he's always depicted as male, although admittedly he's always depicted as somewhere between a really dapper man and a Liberace on steroids gregarious man, (laughs) whenever he's in human form. I want him to wear a top hat. With he does sometimes wear a top hat. Like he's, however he's depicted though, always very, very like over the top. Yeah, like the Nancy Spider. It's very yeah. flamboyant. Very flamboyant. And I, I love that that his followers call him Aunt Nancy. Oh, that's cute. Um. Yeah. So he's gay. He usually, <laughs> <Okay>. appears, <laughs> he usually appears as a spider, although he can also appear as a dapper man. He can also appear as a large spider with a man's face, and sometimes he appears as a man with eight legs. Mm, what form would you prefer him in? Uh, I suppose it would depend on what we were doing. I mean, why would you want a man with eight legs? I suppose he could run really fast with you in his arms or something. I feel like if I wanted to strike fear into the hearts enemy. of my enemies, <laughs> either a man with eight legs or a large spider with man face, but just like going on a night out i've seen a picture of him depicted as sort of like a guy with eight spider legs that look like dreadlocks yes from his hair that looks cool like a spider um, raster yeah (laughs) that to be fair the other thing that um Mm -hmm. i kind of thought is really they should have a a like spider-man comic where a nancy yeah Yeah. a nancy like an antsy man (laughs) <laughs> he's like i'm the real spider-man <laughs> you just got bit and i was born this way I was... they have like an indian spider-man from one of the like spider-man multiverse comics so why not a west african spider-man wait when you say indian spider-man is it one of those like really shitty but like turkish movies where have you seen that one where it's like superman spider-man and wonder women and they're indian <laughs> and they do a bollywood dance routines but superman's got this like bollywood mustache and everything he looks really weird uh, no, but that sounds it's great. It's amazing. I'll send you a link. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, most certainly will. Oh, right. Okay. So, what does if one was to pray for to an Nancy? Would he come to me even though I'm not from Africa? Like, how do you summon a Nancy? Or can you summon a Nancy, or does he just come to you if you're worthy, or is he trickster god so he doesn't really give a shit either way? No, because he he really likes humans. I'll come to that in his story. So mm-hmm. he is a big fan of people, but he's mm-hmm. also like kind of a like African diaspora god. So What's I think if you're so um like people who were who have African communities out with Africa because they were like forcibly put there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so again, that's why he's a Loa. So a Loa a Loa? A Loa. A Loa. So he's again, also you can go back and listen to my solo episode that where I read out various Loas as an example. Oh, voodoo culture. I think like he'd be nice to you if you prayed to him because he's mm-hmm. like sound, but I'm <laughs> human. 
but I don't think he would actually like necessarily. I say help you out. Like he's not the god you pray to if you want to be rescued. He's a god that's like a sort of conduit god. So if you're wanting to contact a dead relative to like I don't know work out where they've oh. left the wedding ring or something, he's the god you would speak to. And then again, if you wanted yeah, to, yeah, like, but would he troll you and go? Um, your your granny's ring is buried within a mound of pig shit, so you'll have to bury it out, and then you do that, and he's like, ha ha, I'm just joking, it was in your pocket all along. <laughs> now no, your hands no, are covered in shit. Bit, it's not really humans that he tricks, like he's oh. actually quite nice to humans, so for humans, you pray to him for knowledge, wisdom, especially wisdom of those that have passed on, and mm. storytelling, but with the other gods, he is like the sort of Oh, right, I yeah. see. Why? Um, I'll tell you. Okay. I'll tell you. I won't really. He just well, tell us more. Tell me more. Tell me more. I wanna know about a Nancy. I shall tell you more then. There's a type of Ghanaian. There's a type of Ghanaian genre that makes some sense. There's a genre. There's a Ghanaian genre of children's literature which is just called Anansi Anansim. Right. And they are, which again goes back to like who would pray to him, they're stories of resistance where he tricks slavers. So he is actually all right with tricking white people, which right. is fine because they're bad. Yeah, white. but they're slavers, so yeah. fair enough. Scummy white people. And um, he's also... Well, hold on, Mark. Black people were slavers as well. Don't forget. All right. <laughs> they, sold their own, they sold their own people into slavery. So... I know it sounds like I'm sticking up for the white man here, which I kind of am, but like black people do get off easy as well. I know the majority of people who were like slaves were black, but it was also black people, um, black tribal leaders and stuff that were selling their rival tribes into slavery to the white man. He so wouldn't fuck be all them right. too. He's no, not he a wouldn't. fan of any form of slavery. No. Okay. Right. Carry on. There's also lots of stories that are anansem stories that are stories about survival through clever tricks. So. Like being Wiley. Wiley E. Coyote. Like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Back to Warner Brothers again. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> I suppose um, Wiley E. Coyote is sort of. Quite often, his low form isn't referred to as an auntie. He's referred to as Uncle Mischief, which I like. Uncle Mischief. Uncle I mean, Mischief we... and Aunt Nancy, both being men, sound like you're really fun, like gay uncles. Yeah, actually, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Come sit in my knee, young lad. <laughs> Uncle Nancy wants to speak to you. <laughs> so, interesting thing about um, Guinean mythology that I didn't know. So, Anansi isn't actually a god because most of the Guinean gods, as we'd call them, aren't actually gods. They have godlike powers, but he is the son of God. And God and Guinean. What, like Jesus? Lots of West African. No. Sort of, well, more like Hercules. Oh, like a demigod then. Kind of. Yeah, so (laughs) most of the West African pantheon are, I found out today. Uh Uh-huh. They're abosom, which means Uh that you're a deity, but you're not a god, because the only god is the one true god. Oh, okay. Asasayao. Who is basically that means Mother Earth. Well, all right. So they're monotheistic then. That's interesting. Kind of. Oh, you can't <laughs> you know say kind I mean, of. Like, because I, 
think other monotheistic religions obviously don't have demigods, so it's interesting that, yeah, they are monotheistic, but they do still worship the demigods, but the demigods are her children or her children's children, and they're not as important as her. So she is, like, the god above all others, but it's not that the... I see what you mean. Abosom aren't important. Right. So, so he's they're one like of the angels. Abosom. Maybe they're like the angels, equivalent of God's angels in the Christian religion. They've got powers, but they're not gods. Yes. Right. Let's put it that way. I think I can understand now. <laughs> From so, a white person's perspective. <laughs> I just hit myself. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Nancy tricking into hitting yourself for saying from oh, a white person's it. perspective. <laughs> that, that deserves a slap. Sorry, Nancy. I apologize. I'm going to take a swig of my cider in your name. Really? Mm. I think he'd like that as an offering. Yeah. I imagine I like as a cider drinker or some sort of sparkling gin-based drink. Something gay, you mean? <laughs> yeah, something gay because he's gay. Cotton candy so, on top. Yep. Along with being a trickster, he is also famous, if you want, for creating the first humans. He actually made the first humans as inanimate objects to use in a trick he was trying to uh, make one of the other gods think that basically there was loads of people at a party right or there was loads of well sorry. like kevin McAllister yeah alone with much like kevin McAllister home alone who also is based on a nancy he was trying <laughs> to make one of the other abosom think that there were many abosom at a party and he put them all in one of the forms that abosom can take but they were all inanimate objects and then Later in another story, his mother comes across them and she animates them. So Asasaya then brings them all to life and they become the first humans. So you're saying that humanity is just one big joke? Kind of. We started off as a But he, like, loves us. Like, he's a big fan of the humans. Okay. Mostly. He's a fan of the good humans. Right. I mean, it's just only the ones... Does he? I guess he friends with the people who kill spiders. Then he, he most one. certainly would do. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I save spiders. I always save them and never kill them because I have respect for the eight-legged freaks. I love spiders. They're great. I don't like the spindly-legged spiders though. I know they can't help their appearance, but I just hate them. The, the daddy long-legged spiders are the fucking worst than they're yeah, everywhere. Yeah, the ones that you don't like, I'm quite like intrigued by, just in that they're so <sighs> weird. Yeah, I guess I just like tarantulas and like the Anansi spiders because they look so cute and funny. Yeah, they're almost like little hamsters. Whereas I, I like the uh, what is it called? The big spiders that you find in your garden. Uh, I, it's not a tarantula spider. No, 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 no. I can't remember what it's called, but they're huge, big things, and they 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 um weave like massive, beautiful webs. And I love them. And there was one in my office window. And I always, like, looked at like, for it. But it's gone now. So I think it's dead. <laughs> I think it had its babies and it died. But there was another spider in its place. So, like, maybe that's one of its doors. It's just like Charlotte's Web. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't. Um, Which is also an excellent story. And is also ripped off from a Nancy. <laughs> Fortunately, it didn't um, weave, like, messages like, fuck you. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's what I'd imagine the spider would weave for me. I'm now imagining that a Nancy in Charlotte's Web, if it was a Nancy's Web. Yeah, even, even be like, uh, have nice messages. Templeton, go tell her to get her father. And yeah, then her father would come in and be like, fuck you, fatty. 
done to try to save Wilbur, you would be like trolling him, saying you're bacon. Mmm, <laughs> I smell bacon, tasty. Just joking. <laughs> I'm not. Um, so I have two Anansi stories. Ooh. I mean, there's lots of Anansi stories, but I picked two. There's one where he uh, tricks another Abosom, and then there's uh, one where he gets tricked. Good, he gets his car. Learns a wee lesson. Mm. Right, which one? So, are you? I, yeah. I'm gonna tell you the first one, which is called the story of Anansi and the stories. Right. <laughs> Which is one reason really entertained me. Stories. So it starts. Uh, Once upon a time. After his mother had brought the humans to life, Anansi saw that the humans were sad. Oh. Why? But then he remembered that the Sky Abosom had a collection of things that he called stories. I think he's Anansi's nephew. Oh. So he has this collection of things that he calls stories, and whenever he shared them with Anansi, they brought him great joy. So Anansi spun a web up into the sky and kept spinning and spinning until he arrived in the Sky God's palace. That's so uh, cute. <laughs> the Sky God welcomed him. I'd imagine him. glitter coming out while he's spinning, like spinning glitter. Yes. All the way up to the palace. Okay. And so striking compliments down to people below. Yeah. Like, Julie, your shoes are hot, baby. And that's what <laughs> <He's> so is. <laughs> <laughs> the snowflakes is Anansi's glitter. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so he arrives up there at the Sky God's palace and the Sky God says, Uncle, right. but I want to say Auntie. Says Auntie Nancy, because that's what he gets called. Says, Oh, Auntie Nancy's here. Have you come to hear another one of my stories? No, says Anansi. I've come to ask you to share them. The Sky God laughed in his face and refused. That's mean. The Sky God did not want to share his stories with humans, for he did not care for them. Mm. What? Well, I, mean, I guess that's kind of true. The Sky does. I mean, the Sky God doesn't give a shit. No, the Sky God famously not giving a shit about humans. Mm-hmm. And Nancy's mum seems much better than the Sky God. I did wonder when reading this as well. I was like, because you know how obviously God, big G God. Mm-hmm started off as one of the like middle eastern pantheon of gods but i'm like i wonder if the sky god is just the west african version of jehovah jesus's da god yeah yeah he is i think they're the same one yeah because he doesn't give a fuck and also i like that i feel like whenever somebody who's like aggressively christian (laughs) this is a rule for all our listeners now if anyone who's aggressively christian starts talking about god to you you have to be like like auntie nancy's nephew god that god. <laughs> yeah, that god doesn't give a flying fuck about you or your family. He doesn't even want you to have stories or any joy no. in your life. No, he doesn't even think about you. Your prayers are wasted on him. He just throws it in the garbage bin like so much trash. Right, so what's what's um does a Nancy's okay, so, mom intervene? Uh, no, Nancy says, What if I could capture because he knows again the sky god's definitely big g god uh so what if i could capture he says because he knows that the sky god is obsessed with flash and pomp and showing off Mm -hmm. the most deadly hornet swarm on earth the most vicious python to live the most stealthy leopard to ever exist and and i like this random one at the end and the most mischievous fairy alive today 
Of course, a fairy has to be in the mix. Yep. <laughs> Sadly, the story doesn't end I mean, with him going, but you've only caps for three, and Nancy going, Auntie Nancy's here, and his finest ball gown. <laughs> so, he says, I'm going to capture these four things for you, and then you can put them on display in your palace. And the sky god laughed again and said, very well, if you think you can collect them, then I will share some of my stories with your precious humans. But I take it the sky god doesn't think he's capable of this? No, he's just like, you're just a silly old faggot in a dress, piss off. <laughs> old school god, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say that in the story, but reading between the lines, that's what he's oh. thinking. The sky god's a homophobe. I mean, we know the sky god's a homophobe. Those people all walk about with the signs saying the sky god hates faggots. We've seen that's them. true, we all know yeah. that. <laughs> god hates fags. <laughs> <laughs> so Anansi returns to Earth and first he sets out to find the deadly hornet swarm. Luckily, he knew where the deadly hornet swarm were because they killed so many of his beloved people. So he had to warn them all to stay away. So he gets a gourd and makes a hole in it. And then he fills the gourd and then he fills <laughs> the gourd up with water. Then okay. he plucks a large banana leaf. He turns into his spider form. And he goes over and finds the hornets are all buzzing angrily around the nest. As he approaches them, he shields his head with the leaf, but he shakes his gourd so that... <laughs> shake your gourd. Shake your gourd, Nancy. Shake your gourd, gourd. now. <laughs> so he's about to say, lip syncing for his life. And shaking it above his head, and it splashes all over the wasps. And he screams, hurry, friends, hurry. It's the rain, it's coming. I know what to do. Hide in my gourd. And Hide says, in my gourd. <laughs> until the rains pass by now this is me reading directly from the story because i enjoy the wording here now hornets as we all know hate the rain they hate it more than anything so the hornets all begin to swarm into the gourd and and, and i'm just accenting more as i go along and anansi uh instead of following them in quickly plugs the hole uh, he has a small laugh to himself and then sets them to one side the next day he sets out to trap or Nini, the killer python. Not really a killer name for a python. Nini. Don't you oh, that way? She'll mess you up. Oh. <laughs> I ain't scared of a Nini. I'll make a Nini a panini. <laughs> and Nancy knew <laughs> that a Nini was very vain. So when he found the great snake curled up on a rock, he called out to her. I'm just imagining uh, the Scarlett Johansson snake. That's what I was doing. Yeah. He called out to her, here, Scarlet, I've come to settle an argument. Now, Onini had never met Nancy before and obviously wasn't a very good reader of the signals that people were putting out because she uncurls and asks, what is this argument that you need settled, sir? And he says, well, I was at home this morning with my wife. Good try, Nancy. (laughs) He said to me that she knows that Onini is not the longest creature in the whole of the world. Oh, of course, that's going to um, appeal to her vanity, yeah. So, Onini hissed, no (laughs) creature is longer than I, she said. (laughs) I believe you, said Nancy. I believe everything you say, but my wife, she says you're a liar. My wife! (laughs) (laughs) I know, said Nancy. Will you let me measure you? And this will prove it. So the python stretched herself out as long and as thin as she could. 
No, this is simply no good, said Nancy. <laughs> you keep curling up your tail at the end. This will not work at all. I know exactly what to do. Give me a second. I'm, go- I'm going to tie your tail to this broken tree. What an idiot. <laughs> a Look at tree. that. He said, I guess you are the longest creature in the world. Right. Um... Sadly, for Anini, she could not nod, for she could not move. You may be the longest creature in the world, said Anansi, but now you're trapped. <laughs> <laughs> what bad. <laughs> I'd imagine he says that with like a cigarette holder in one hand and he's just like, ah, now you're trapped. <laughs> Girlfriend. <laughs> the next day, Anansi went in search of Osibo. Osibo was the world's stealthiest leopard that had teeth as sharp as spears and could walk without even rustling the grass. Well, cats are very smooth and slinky, aren't they? They are. He's quite the slinky cat. I know he will sneak up on me and then kill me, said Anansi. Don't know who to. Unless I find a way to trap him first. To his wife, who I'm imagining is just a doll that he takes around with him and does (laughs) People are like, what's that? It's my wife. So Anansi dug a pit in the ground and covered the pit with long palm thrones. Then, you don't know why I can't pronounce words today. Then he sat down nearby and waited. Sure enough, Osibo picked up his scent and came creeping silently along. She was ready to, sp- no, it was a he, he was ready to spring. Oh, misgendering, man. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Osibo. But, his next step brought him directly on top of the pit. A step too far, laughed Anansi. <laughs> Again. Tumbled into the pit. Is he ambushed me. Martini? <laughs> <laughs> now that you've said that, I'm going to imagine him sitting in a deck chair with yes. a cigarette holder in one hand and a vodka martini in the other while the leopard's stalking him and he's just staring at the leopard going like, oh, hello. <laughs> like completely nonchalant. Oh, brilliant. Uh, you ambushed me, yelled Osibo. And Nancy <laughs> smiled as he moved closer to the edge of the pit. Well, I didn't do as bad as what you were planning to do to me. And then he spun a web around and around the leopard until he could lift him out of the pit, but the leopard was unable to move. Mm-hmm. That evening, Anansi set out to trap Mimoyatia. I thought you were going to say Mimosa. Mimosa. (laughs) Mimoyatia, the world's most mischievous fairy. He knew that her (laughs) magic was much greater than his, but he also knew how to outwit her. Anansi crafted a beautiful little doll. That was why I was thinking his wife was a doll. I forgot he does make a doll in the story. Like, that's weird. Why is that in my head? Anansi crafted a beautiful little doll that was just about the same size as the fairy. He covered it all in sticky sap and then dressed it in the clothes worn by the local girls. In the doll's lap, he placed a dish made from delicious mashed yams. Mm. It didn't take long for the naughty fairy to pop up. She was lured by the smell of the dish. Oh, little girl, may I have some of your yams? She asked. (laughs) 
The do- I love this bit. The dog didn't reply, so Mamuita became immediately angry and started to slap her repeatedly on the cheeks. I mean, fair enough. If, if your bitch ignores you, that's what you would do. <laughs> I don't know if a child ignores you if you're like, can I have one of your crisps? Like, they're not answering, I'm just going to beat fuck out of them. Ignorant little shit. The fairy's hands soon became stuck to the doll's face. Let go! She shrieked. <laughs> the fairy then kicked and clawed and bit at the doll until her legs, body and mouth were trapped against the sap. Oh no. Nancy walked out from behind a tree laughing. Oh and shouted, four down. <laughs> oh, <Nancy. laughs> and Nancy then returned to see his nephew, the Sky God, with his captives. The Sky God was not pleased oh, because God. he knew that a promise was a promise and he would have to give up some of his beloved stories. But Yay. he did concede a bargain's a bargain, a promise mm. is a promise. Very well, take these stories down to earth and give them to your precious humans. <laughs> they better be eternally grateful. Oh. And Nancy said, they will. They'll be eternally grateful to me. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> and I'm going to call these the spider stories. <laughs> and then he slid down his web back to the earth. That's really mean. <laughs> Such a sassy cow. I love him. He really is. He takes all the credit. <laughs> uh, that is great you're right you'll be eternally grateful they'll be eternally grateful to me <laughs> bye bitch. it's like the Book of Mormon song but mostly me <laughs> okay um, Okay. that was nice I love that story what's the next one then I'm so uh, happy tell me the next one what's the next one if something bad happens to him yeah, the next one he gets tricked, although I'm going to have to tell it from memory because <laughs> I just went to go back onto the webpage to read it and it said that it was a broken link. That's a Nancy doing that to you. That is a Nancy doing that to me. He doesn't That's want right. you to tell the tale of him being humiliated, so he, he erased it from your tablet or your laptop. I mean, the fact that it said it's a bad link, I'm like, it can't be a bad link, I've already read it. It's the story of a Nancy and the turtle. Was it a mutant turtle? It was a teenage mutant ninja turtle. It was Raphael. So oh, I love Raphael. He's my favourite. Uh, one day, I also like that that links to the last story in a very specific way. One day, a Nancy was in his kitchen making mashed jams. <laughs> These were particularly good yams because he'd grown them in the soil of his old of his own garden. They were the yams of an abosom. So. Just as he was about to put the meal on the table and eat it, he was irritated because there was a sudden knock at the door. The main reason that Anansi was irritated was because he knew that it was part of Ghanaian custom that if somebody knocked your door and was arriving at your home as you were about to serve food, you had to serve them your food as well. Oh, no, you have to serve them your tasty yams. He was really looking forward to eating his jams and he opened the door to see Raphael the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle standing there. <laughs> uh, and it's now loaded up. Hello, Nancy. What are you <laughs> cooking? 
I could smell it out the window from right down the hill, said the turtle. <laughs> Ramper. You should say, I'm baking some shit. <laughs> Cow me near <laughs> That would be nice this once. Yeah, would you want some? <laughs> nah, you're all right, Nancy. Bye. Oh, said Nancy, it's just some yams. <laughs> oh, lovely, <laughs> said the turtle. I would love to stay for lunch. I'm very hungry and I'm tired of all this travelling. And Nancy was not willing to share his food with the turtle, but he knew that custom dictated he must. And as an abosom, he must follow the customs. Please come in, have a seat at my table, and enjoy this meal. Half of my yams, said Nancy. <laughs> I don't know why I find yams so funny, man. <laughs> well, uttering cunt under his breath. <laughs> Both of them sat on chairs at Nancy's table, the turtle and the god, face to face, eating half a plate of yams. But, and Nancy stopped the turtle, remember that you need to wash your hands before you can eat, he said. The turtle looked quite annoyed because he was ready to eat the yams, but he knew it was part of Ghanaian custom that you must wash your hands before you eat. So he went to Nancy's sink and washed his hands. I mean, well, Nancy ate all the yams. Yup, well, he was at the sink and Nancy started eating the yams. <laughs> I didn't think that was... Okay, because it's what I would do. The turtle was annoyed. However, <laughs> yeah. he did manage to eat a few morsels of yams that were left on his plate. Angry and humiliated, he turned to Nancy and said, Thank you, Auntie Nancy, for this lovely lunch. <laughs> Auntie Nancy. Perhaps I can feed you an equally delicious lunch one day. I like that this is just <laughs> two passive-aggressive bitchies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can cook you quite such a delicious meal because this spoonful of yams was lovely. Said the <laughs> oh, God. A few Sorry. days later, while out for a walk, Anansi remembered the turtle's invitation and thought, I don't want to go back to my house and cook. I will have dinner from the turtle. He went to the riverbank where the turtle lived and dove in. However, he, Im- he immediately floated to the top. He then turned into human form, but the current was too strong and he started to float away. <laughs> then he had an excellent idea. Remaining in human form, he filled all of his pockets of his trousers and coat. Sorry, I imagined that, that he was naked, so there I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> uh, no, he's dressed like a fabulous bitch. Okay. With pockets. Yes. I'm imagining just trousers and a coat, though. Yeah, he's definitely, like, his chest is out. Mm, yeah. Glistening. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. in my head, he's, like, late 50s, but, like, hot <laughs> in a really queeny way. And he's walking with maybe, like, a big over-the-top coat and then, yeah, like, fitted but flared trousers. Mm-hmm. And he's and got, like, earrings. yeah, huge big pockets in the coat. A bit like... I was going to say with Neil from with Neil and I, with his long coat. Yes. But less of a <laughs> grumpy bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, very that. So filled all his pockets with the stones and then mm-hmm. dove back into the river again. He sunk to the bottom of the river and luckily it was just as the turtle was putting out his lunch. The turtle <laughs> looked annoyed. He knew what was coming. <laughs> Hello, said Nancy. 
I remembered that you invited me for lunch the other day. This looks simply delicious. Thank you, he said, while parking himself at the table. You're very welcome, said the turtle. But dear Aunt Nancy, could you kindly remove your jacket and hang it up over there before you touch the food? You know here in Ghana we do not wear our jackets at the dinner table. God, I've got so many fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> you take off your top before you eat my yams. And I want to see your yams. <laughs> that not only was the turtle not wearing a jacket, he was in fact wearing nothing. Not even his shell. Oh, what? <laughs> you just turtle. He knew it was only polite to remove his jacket and the rest of his clothing to match the turtle. However, as soon as he took the jacket off, he immediately floated back and had to remove his trousers to stop himself being dragged away by the tide. He slowly <laughs> swam up onto the riverbank. He felt sad and slightly silly as he climbed out the water. However, he laughed and thought, you know what? I can't outsmart everyone. For sometimes there's one out there that can outsmart me. Oh, the that's end. really nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely love a Nancy. So on. I like both those stories because again, the one where he's with a uh, like Jesus dad God, he's like, You're a cunt, I'm gonna make fun of you, and the one where he's with the turtle, they're just being like bitching to each other. But it's nice in the end. <laughs> in the well, end he's like, fair play, turtle. Yeah. You. Play. Ha ha, you got me. Oh, I can take a joke. <laughs> At least. And Nancy's well cool. Big I'm up. So I've also got an African god, I think. Is he African? Or, right, who are the Hopi? The Hopi, or is it, are they South American maybe? Let me oh, check. I've heard of them, but I don't actually know. The Hopi. Uh, oh, there's Hopi ear candles. Oh, they're Native Americans that live in the southwestern United States. So it's not um it's not actually an African deity. It's Native American. <laughs> <laughs> and the Hopi people. And I actually love this guy. It's well, it's actually quite terrifying as well because you really don't want this like at the same time he seems fun, but uh, he's like also my worst fucking nightmare. And uh, you'll find out. So He's called Kokopele, which means wooden backed. And he's okay. he's found everywhere, like and it, he's quite old. Like he goes back to like, you know how where you had paintings on walls, like rock paintings and stuff? Mm-hmm. So he sort of looks like a he's hunched over, he's got like a, a hunched back, but there's a reason for that. And he's got like what looks like five either feathers or tendrils growing out of his head. Okay. And he always plays a magic flute and he wears a dress. Before you tell me anything else, are you saying <laughs> he's in multiple cave paintings? Yeah. But I 100% believe in him then. Carry on. Why? <laughs> okay. I just feel like if there's something that's not an existing creature that we know about, but is featured in multiple cave paintings, yeah. it's because it's real. Like, why is everybody painting it if it's not real? Yeah, no, it's weird. Right. So he's, a, he's so to, to break it down, Coco Pele, uh, Coco equals wood. Pilau, which I would imagine is rice, actually equals mm-hmm. hump, okay. uh, which put it all together is the humpback flute player. And he is the mythical Hopi symbol of fertility, replenishment, music, dance and mischief. 
So he's known as a fertility god, a prankster, a healer, and a storyteller. So some aspects like Anansi, but not quite. Cocapelli has been a source of wonder throughout the country for centuries. He embodies a true American Southwest and dates back over 3,000 years ago when the first petroglyphs were carved. That's what I'm talking about, like the carve paint, the carvings on the, the rocks and the caves and stuff, or just on rocks. Although his true origins are unknown. Yeah, to have to wait. I want to see what it looks like. Well, I'll just Google Cocopelli. It's K-O-K-O, Coco, and Pelli, P-E-L-L-I. Okay? Mm-hmm. But what is intriguing is that although he's known to the Hopai people, he has a travelling creature. He's a travelling god. So nobody actually knows where the fuck he actually comes from. But there is a theory that he might have came from the Incas because their messengers were known to carry bags on their back when they were like trading and they wore feathers in their hair. One so of these I could definitely see is someone carrying a bag on their back with feathers in their hair. Yeah. Although again, I 100% believe he's real because there's what, I just googled him and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine, ten cave paintings have come up that are all entirely different cave paintings, quite clearly in entirely different caves. So yeah it's really weird because no one actually knows where he comes from so that what's well, one of the theories the other theory is that he's a type of insect because he's kind of insect stick sick like as you mm-hmm. can see and like some spiders carry their babies on their backs mm-hmm. this could also apply to cocopelli and i'll tell you why so excuse me <laughs> carvings of the hunchback flute plane figure have been found painted and carved into rock walls and boulders throughout southwest. He's a flute playing Casanova and he's very sacred. So there are many myths of him, one of which is that he travelled from village to village bringing the changing of winter to spring because when he plays his flute, everyone loves it and when he plays a flute, it changes, it brings up all the flowers and turns like the, the barren land green. He melts the snow. Yeah. Yams then. (laughs) (laughs) Auntie Nancy will be all about it. So he melts the snow and he brings about rain for a successful harvest. But it's also said that the hunch on his back depicted the sacks of seeds and songs he carried. Legend also has it that the flute playing also symbolised the transition of winter to spring. His flute is said to be heard in the spring's breeze while bringing warmth. It is also said that he was the source of human conception. Now, this is a horrible bit for me anyway. Legend has it, everyone in the village would sing and dance throughout the night when they heard Cocopelli play his flute. Because his music was like one big rave and they fucking loved it. So they all had a big fucking massive party and got like mad with it. The next morning, every maiden in the village would be with child. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrifying. He got everyone pregnant because his music was that good. Or maybe he just got them up in a frenzy and they all started banging each other. But actually, it was Cocopelli that got them all pregnant with his seats from his, his backpack or well, his like music. Flower babies. Actually, went to a concert and suddenly it was that good that you just became pregnant at the end of it. <laughs> like Brian Molko <laughs> got me pregnant by singing Nancy <laughs> Boy to me. Even you, Mark. Everyone. Even me. Yeah. So whatever is the true meaning of Cockapelli is, he's been a source of music making and dancing and spreading joy to those around him, except people who don't want to be pregnant, but like me. 
Even today, Cockapelli, with his hunchback and flute, is always welcome in our homes. Would he be welcome in your home, Mark? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, there's a few stories collected about Cockapelli. Let's see if I can find one. So, hmm, I don't know if I've got any stories about him. Okay, there's loads of pictures. <laughs> one up. Um, oh no, I've got more information about him somewhere else. But anyway, I'll finish this. So he is an anthropomorphic petroglyph. He's the only anthropomorphic petroglyph, which is a cave painting thing, to have a name, an identity, and an established gender. His name may have been derived from the Zuni name for God, Coco, and the Indian name for the desert. Ah, oh, that's where the insect thing comes from. So they think he could be a desert robber fly, which is Pele. His association with the desert robber fly may stem from the fact that this insect too has a hump on its back and a prominent pro- proboscis. Oh, because they're saying that he's got like, maybe that's what his flute is. And he also has a really large, like long penis from like, that's why he's also quite fertile. Fair play, Jim. Yeah, that sticks out his, his dress. So <laughs> he does wear a dress. He, uh, to others... He is known as Cockapelli, Cockopietiot, and Olaulauwishka. He also bears the nickname Casanova of the Cliff Dwellers, a tribute to his image and legend. Cockapelli's lesser known female counterpart is known as Cockapelli Mana. He's also a prehistoric deity uh, depicted in ancient rock art. Uh, over, well, went over that. So throughout the mountains, deserts, high plains of the southwestern United States, frequently shown as a humpback flute player, the mythic being a survived and recognisable form from, uh, does that say a Nancy times? Yeah, to the present. Cockopelli can also be found in various other places throughout the world, such as San Francisco hotels and hotels in Chicago, Illinois as artwork or on different items. Why there? I don't get it. No, There's a feeling and timeless quality about Cockapelli, which fascinates anyone. So there is, oh uh, yeah, okay. I like that you've been about since Nancy times. <laughs> Nancy <laughs> inspired everything. <laughs> so here is a little story or a little poem about Cockapelli. If Cockapelli has lured you with his magical flute, it is time to listen to his song. This song is one of fertility. You're being asked to use your talents to create fertility in some area of your life. If things have been slow moving, Cockapelli's song is saying that whatever you intend to plant at this time will be very productive for you. So it's not all about impregnating people. It's about giving birth to ideas. Planting seeds for the future takes effort. So now is the time to use your skill and resources to make use of the magic. If you have a project to begin or an idea to develop, the timing couldn't be better. Shift away from any old limiting ideas and move forward. The time is now. The power is you. Yay. Um, there's also <laughs> this <laughs> this poem. I am Cockopelli. All are Cockopelli. There is nothing that is not Cockopelli. <laughs> I as Cockopelli and myself in search of Cockopelli. When Cockopelli meets Cockopelli, Cockopelli is pleased. <laughs> <laughs> All who know the mystery of Cockopelli's play. Sense the future that's on its way. Listen for the simple beauty of the flute. It hearkens the truth and enlightens the root. Go, Cockapelli! 
Cocker Pelly. <laughs> I don't know where the trickster god is in this, unless it's just be like he tricks you into thinking you're having a lovely party and then you're pregnant. I mean, that is quite a big trick. It is, isn't it? Last well, bedroom night was about it, possibly quite a big crime. I think it's also I read that when Cockapelli is about and they know he's coming, the maidens would have to like run away and try and hide from him because they know they're going to end up pregnant. <laughs> he's going to I mean... come over. Mm, right, so there's many different legends that exist about Cockapelli, what he actually carried in his sack. In Pueblo myths, he carried seeds, babies and blankets to offer the maidens he seduced. According to the Navajo, his hump was made of clouds filled with seeds and rainbows. <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> In the Hopai village of Araibe, they believe he carried deer skins, shirts and moccasins, which he used to barter for braids. <laughs> Sounds like fucking Papa Lazaro now. <laughs> or babies, which he left with the young women. Others believe that Cockapelli's sack contained the seeds of all the plants and flowers of the world, which he scattered every spring. According to San Ildefonso legend, Cockapelli was a wandering minstrel who carried songs on his back, trading new songs for old ones. According to this legend, Cockapelli brought good luck and prosperity to anyone who listened to his songs. He also embodied um, everything pure and spiritual about music. And he travelled from village to village, bestowing gifts and spreading cheer to all whom he visited. I mean, this doesn't sound very trickster at all. Why is he a trick? Where's the trickster part? I'm trying to figure this out. Unless that's it. I just really like him. I like his story as well. He also had healing, actual healing powers. When Hopai women could not bear children, they would seek him out because he was able to restore their childbearing powers. Cockapelli spent most of his time sowing seeds and seducing the daughters of the village while his wife, Cockapelli Mana, ran after the men. <laughs> well, open relationship. Fair yeah. play. Very modern. <laughs> the Winnebago believed Cockapelli was capable of detaching his penis, penis which was called, uh, all right, uh, and sending it down the river to have his weight so he could detach his penis and send it down a river to fuck women from afar. <laughs> they were bathing in the stream. <laughs> That's fucked up. That, yeah, yeah, I don't like, agree with that one. No, <laughs> that's that's what I mean. The Lord of Southern Utah paints Cockapelli as a little man who used to travel throughout the villages carrying a bag of corn seed on his back. Oh, god, that makes me think of Troll too. Teaching the people how to plant as he traveled, he was also said to have traded beads and shells for pieces of turquoise. Some speculate that this image of Cockapelli may have been derived from traveling traders of the time who announced their arrival by playing a flute as they approached. A tradition that is still practiced in Central America. Oh. Okay. Hmm. So. The first known images of him appear in uh, Hoho Cam Pottery. Dated to sometime between 750 and 850 AD. I thought he was like a lot earlier than that. Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> so some people say he may be in representation of Aztec traders known as Pocatectas who travelled from this region from normal Mesoamerica. Um, okay, yeah, we've went over that. And maybe that um, site you're looking at has got it wrong in his BCE because it doesn't really yeah. make sense. It would be cave paintings from 
<laughs> he was also a storyteller par excellence and he had the gift of languages with a formidable repertoire of body language storytelling skills to complement his many talents. His usual noisy announcement upon arrival secured both the identity and therefore the safety of his unique presence into a community. Often accompanied by an apprentice in his travels and trade, Cocopelli was important in linking distant and diverse communities together. In South American Andes, the Ekeko character functions in much the same way. Upon arrival, his banging and clanging of his wares, dangling all about his person, single to all that a night of entertainment and trade of his goods and talismans were at hand. I mean, Even at, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> Another theory is that he is actually an anthropomorphic insect. Many of the earliest depictions make him very insect-like in appearance. It may be a combination of like the ro- desert robber fly, as I've said, and um, it, it has. It was also noted for its zealous sexual proclivities. A more recent etymology is that Cocopelli means literally Kachina hump because the Hopai were the tribe from whom the Spanish explorers first learned of the god. Their name is the one most commonly used. He is one of the most easily recognised figures found in pictographs of the southwest. Oh, it says 1000 AD. I don't know. What's that? What's 1000 AD? 1000 AD is like the year 1000, is it not? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Spanish missionaries in the area convinced the Hopi craftsmen to usually omit the phallus. There you go. So he used to have a big dong. He hung dong, basically, from his dress, from the representations of the figure. As with most Kachinas, the Hopi Cocopelli was often represented by a human dancer. Um, a similar humpback figure is found in artefacts of the Mississippian culture of the United States Southwest between approximately 1200 to 1400 AD, water vessels were crafted in the shape of a humpbacked woman. These forms may represent a cultural heroine or founding ancestor and may also reflect concepts related to the life-giving blessings of water and fertility. But anyway, he looks like a party Rasta guy, basically. Yeah, he plays his flute. He's, he's, like, he's very fun. He gets everyone pregnant. So he's Again, as long as he's getting original rock stars. and they're consenting to it, then <laughs> great. Yeah. So I was thinking, we've spoke about mostly like male trickster gods, but I'm just going to end the podcast with a Greek goddess, and her name is Eris, and she's a Greek goddess of discord and strife. So she is also nicknamed Discordia, that's hence where the name Discord comes from, by the old Romans. So no matter where she went, or who she met along the way, she always caused problems for those around her, which is why she was rarely a happy sight in the Greek mythos. Even though she was a very devious goddess, though, she very rarely appeared as a main character and said showing up only after being sent directly by other gods. According to the Greek poet Hesiod, she had 13 children in total, with the final one, and most surprising, being known as Oaths. This is because the Greek believed that men taking oaths without thinking twice about what they were doing caused a lot more problems than anything else in this world. Right? Very fair. <laughs> um, yeah, there's Anansi, and I'm just trying to find um, the other... I mean, Lucifer is one of the trickster gods as well. Oh, this was one I quite liked. So this one's a South African trickster god, and I don't know how you pronounce his name, but I'm just going to say Kagan. So C-A-G-N. 
So the sand from Southern Africa were known for being some of the oldest human beings on the planet. I don't know if they mean they're immortal or they're just like, I don't get that. How can they be the oldest human beings on the planet? Like the earliest civilization, is that what they mean? As they're believed to, right, as they're believed to share close genetic and cultural ties to the ancient Homo sapiens that existed in Africa 100,000 years ago. They managed to keep their culture and myths alive by sharing them orally from generation to generation, preserving the ancient knowledge even to this day. This is why I think Kagan really fascinating because he's so early. As such, we can safely say that their trickster god is most likely one of the oldest imaginings of the trickster archetype. He is the original trickster, the original prankster, as um, the offspring would say. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that song was about. Yes. What's interesting about it <laughs> is that Kagan is actually regarded as the supreme god and the creator of the known universe. So unlike the sky god, he's also the creator and a bit of a laugh. He can shapeshift and he uses this ability to take on the form of animals to trick those around him. He can also easily create new species of animals on the spot. And he's known for being quite mischievous, even though he would spend most of his time protecting himself and his family from the snake people. Who the fuck is like, that's where it ends? Gives <laughs> <laughs> like the, the blue there. You can't just leave it at that. Yeah. Who the fuck is... <laughs> right, we'll come back to that. Ah, uh, the snake people. Laverna is the go- Roman goddess of thieves. So she's a Roman goddess of thieves, cheats, liars, and fraudsters. She's usually being portrayed. Now this is weird. She's usually being t- portrayed as being a head with no body or a body with no head, which is meant to indicate that she's never complete as she always lacks something, no matter how much she steals. A great example of what kind of a goddess Laverna is can be seen in a story in which she tricked a priest into selling her an estate with the promise that she would build a temple on that land. Instead, though, Laverna would sell off everything that there was to be sold on the estate, and as soon as the priest would try to confront her, she would already be long gone by then. I fucking love it. She's like a con artist. Auntie Nancy would be best friends with Laverna. Yeah. <laughs> She's like She's a wacky gold digger. She has actually... But she just laughs and uh, I'm just imagine her as Anna Nicole Smith. Actually, yeah. <laughs> she is Laverna personified. I want to know more about the snake people. <laughs> right. I'm sure I looked more into this fight last week about the guy like Kagan. Let me see if I can find it. Because it's how the fact that you can just like make up oh yeah, he made up this animal and he loved it, but his son killed it and he was fucking raging with them. Right. I'll find this story because it's really cool. So, oh, I don't know whether I can find it though. Like, let's see. Oh, it's, he's called Kagan in this one, or I Kagan, sometimes spelled C A G N, which I can't really say, and sometimes called Mantis, which made me think of Aquaman because isn't the baddie in that called Mantis? It is, but it made me think of uh, Doctor Mantis Toboggan. And he's like an ancient, and what is he called? A demiurge? Is that how you say it? Yes. Demiurge and a folk hero of the sand people. He can shape shift, usually taking the form of a praying mantis, but also a bull eland. Right, what is an eland? This is his favourite animal that he created. Oh, it's so cute. It's like a deer with like big twisty horns, like straight mm-hmm. twisty horns. Look it up. It's um, spelled... Uh, it's spelled... E-L-A-N-D. Eland. 
can also transform into a louse, a snake, and a caterpillar. His what? wife, uh, Coty, is represented as a marmot, or rather a cape hyrax, and is known as the mother of bees. And her adopted... Oh, I like that their daughter's adopted. She's a porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first animals created by a cat. Sorry, I'm not looking at this very uh, cute but unusual animal and imagining yeah. it married to a queen bee with a porcupine daughter. Yeah. Certainly. Go them. <laughs> so he created the eland. It's his favourite animal. A cat's wife gave birth to the eland. Right, hold on. So he created it by having his wife give birth to it. Okay. And Icagan hid it near a secluded cliff to let it grow. I guess because it's a goat. Is it a goat? One day his sons, Kogaz and Gewe, I don't know what kind of animals they were, were out hunting. Not knowing their father's love for the eland, they killed it. Okay, so they didn't know that he, their dad loved it. They just thought they were, like, you know, gave, giving him a gift or something. Icagan was very angry and told Gewe to put the blood of from the dead eland into a pot and churn it. Blood spattered from the pot onto the ground and turned into snakes. Okay. Icagan was displeased. Okay. Next, so Gewi can do whatever he was trying to do, right? Next, Gewi scattered the blood and it turned into hearty beasts. Okay, what the fuck are hearty beasts? I have to look that up. Yeah. Oh, it's sort of like a, a kind of fucked up version of the. It's not quite a new land because its horns aren't straight. They're they're more like um, maleficent horns. Ooh, yeah, that's it's an antelope. That's the goth the version. Goth version. Yeah, again, Icagan was unhappy. He told his wife to clean the pot and add more blood from the eland with fat from the heart. She churned it, and Icagan sprinkled the mixture on the ground. It turned into a large herd of eland. Yay! Yay. This was how Icagan gave meat to his people to hunt and eat. But that's his favorite. What? Yeah, don't bush- the Bushmen <laughs> attribute the wildness, the wildness of the eland to the fact that Icagan's son killed it before it was ready to be hunted, spoiling it. Right, so the eland was like a nice tame creature or something, and because they killed it before it was ready to be hunted, it turned into like I don't know, I don't really understand that. The scholar David Lewis Williams recounts a variation of the Elon's myth involving meerkats. Icagan's daughter, the porcupine, that I just really want that to be like a children's cartoon. <laughs> she married the meerkat, Kamanga A. They had the mongoose as a son. <laughs> Why are they having different animals? It's, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit like Mr. Krabs having a daughter that's a massive sperm whale. That doesn't make any sense. I am loving what? the family dynamic. Right. So the mongoose was close to his grandfather, Icagan. Icagan used to take honey to feed his favourite, the eland. The people were curious as to what Icagan was doing with the honey, so they sent the mongoose to spy on him and find out. When the mongoose saw Icagan giving honey to the eland, he reported his discovery to his brothers, the meerkats. While Icagan was out gathering honey, the meerkats persuaded the mongoose to show them where the eland was. They called the eland out of its hiding place and killed it. Aww! That's so horrible! But anyway, yeah. I'm confused about its personality being ruined because while you were talking about that, I looked up a thing on a zoology page about like mm-hmm. Eland, like what yeah. basically they like, 
and it says, uh, like many bovids, elands are very, very shy animals. They seem in, like they are not very abundant because they're so shy that they hide from um, all other creatures. So I expect be- it to be like, they're mad, they'll jump up and kick you in the face. They don't care what's going on. Well, there's another oh, story about them. In the mythology of the Bushmen of southwestern Africa, Kagan is a god who created the world and all the people and things in it. In some stories, he dies and comes back to like, right, okay, so he's a Jesus figure as well. Kagan is also called Kang, Ko, and Fora. <laughs> Fora, Fora Birch. <laughs> In the beginning, Kagan had a friendly relationship with human beings. And after people began to show disrespect towards her creator god, as is always the case. However, Kagan sent death and destruction to the world. He left the earth to live somewhere far off in the galaxy, according to the Bushmen. Only the antelopes know exactly where he is, because again, they're like his special creature for some reason. <laughs> I love that instead of humans, he prefers the antelopes. Fair play. Humans are a bit shit. Yeah, Kagan's power is thought to reside in one of his teeth. Sometimes he lends the tooth to someone who needs extra power. Although he can work through all natural things, he most often appears in the form of a mantis and a caterpillar. Myths about Kagan describe his triumphs over giants, ogres and evil spirits. What about these snake people though? What was with that? These tales inspire the Bushmen in their fight against Goana, the evil leader of the spirits of the dead. Again, that sounds like another adventure that I need to yeah. more about. <laughs> Maybe we should add him to the list and see if we can find out more information like the snake people. Who the fuck are they? I know. I want to know. Actually, we should probably add to the list, like, more about Africa, like, the Goana, the Bush people, and, like, what you were saying, what they called the demigods of... Of... Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm retrieved by them. Mantis mythology. Again, this is related to Kagan. Oh, no, that's just giving me insects and mythology and stuff. And then I Kagan again. Wonder if there's more information about him here. Hmm. Oh, that's cute. San Rockar, and then it depicts the dying Elands. Oh. So I'm trying to find the trickster aspect. Oh yeah, he appears both as a trickster figure and a savior. He once walked the earth with humans. He became frustrated with stubborn humanity and therefore retreated from the earth i mean i don't blame them i've often wanted to just get away from people as well people are hell that is very true some people are mega shouters <laughs> yeah he's also um responsible for the creation of the moon there are two versions of the story in one account kagan's children killed the eland as we've heard the god sacred animal in anger kagan pierced the eland's gallbladder which blinded him this created the night Kagan then wiped his eyes with an ostrich feather and threw it into the sky where it became the moon. (laughs) The second version states that Kagan became frustrated one night when trying to walk in the dark. I mean, if you ever fought a fire or a light or something, you're a fucking god. To solve this problem, the god threw his shoe into the sky. I love how he's so frustrated. He just throws things at the sky. (laughs) When it transformed into the moon. Do you prefer the ostrich feather one or throwing his shoe? Oh, I don't know. I feel like I preferred the ostrich feather yeah, one. Yeah, I like it. It was more bizarre. <laughs> I quite like the shoe one as well, though. In some traditions, the moon is considered one of Kagan's many aspects or forms. When he appears as a moon, he is known as Ko. 
The moon is also central to the sand myth on the origin of death. According to this myth, Kagan, in the form of Ko the moon, sent an insect to Earth to tell the humans that the moon had died and been reborn. Because of this, humans would also have to die and be reborn. But a hare stopped the insect and offered to carry the message for him since he was faster. Upon reaching the humans, the devious hare changed the message, saying that the moon had died and was gone forever, and that humans would therefore also die. Angered by this deliberate miscommunication, Cole Kagan struck the hare in the face, I imagine with like a glove or something. I like that that's the second slap we've had in this episode. <laughs> yeah, so he split the hare's lip. For the sand people, this explains why death is permanent and why hares have split upper lips. <laughs> a bit strange combination but okay right so, so originally he's saying that you could be it would die but you will be reborn so they could be reincarnated but because the hair yeah but how would that change the fact just because the hair is telling bullshit a bullshit fact that doesn't mean the previous fact yes. is a, like redundant that means the hair has more power than a kagan Apparently so. That's fucking weird. <laughs> but Icagan has the power to turn anything into any animal. So, I mean, if you're in a bit of a bind, you could call out to Icagan and ask him to turn you into, like, a cheetah or something. That would be cool. Or a bird. I just, like, what I'd want him to turn me into. What would you want him to turn you into? I don't really know. Maybe a... Yeah, I'd like to be a crow. I'm thinking mole, and I don't know why I'm thinking a mole. mole? I could imagine like it'd be fun to like burrow through the dark. That actually seems quite like yeah suitable for you, definitely, yeah. because I feel like when you come round and you're wearing your tweed jackets and that, it reminds me of a mole. Yeah, I think it makes me a good mole. <laughs> you're a mole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to be a crow or a raven or something and fly around and shit on people's heads and just like like batter my beak off of a plastic bottle for a while. I feel like that's what I do in my like yeah. human form anyway. <laughs> well that was um, Trickster Gods. I think we should maybe do that one again um, or bring up more African ones because they're really fascinating and I love African. Like I know I'm, it, I don't I don't give a fuck. Like I'm not cultural appropriate. I'm appreciating our culture. I think it's fascinating and like I say like I collect things and I'm I'm trying to collect African art now. And it shouldn't be exclusive to like African Americans. Like, why should they have all the fun? I want some. I'm not being called. Like, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Is it so wrong for me to, as a white woman, to collect African art? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not I believe um, Raven Simone said that she didn't want to be considered to be either black or lesbian. Therefore, right. You can have her share of, of African stuff. Brilliant, thanks. And your share of lesbian stuff if you want. Well, I mean, I would have that anyway, regardless. I'm not letting anyone tell me what I can and can't do. No, you only get 0.5 of a share of lesbian stuff, but now you get 1.5, so you get more than <laughs> lesbians. I do like a good big pair of yams to bury my face in every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> a chick with a dick would be ideal. Yeah. For me anyway. Okay, so what's going to be our next topic, Mark? Let's pick a number between one and what? 34. Oh, it's getting bigger. Uh, let's see. 22. Two little ducks. Whack, whack. Uh, 
<laughs> We're going to watch. I know we've really just. Uh, when I rejigged them, I kept to uh, watch one of the worst horror films ever. Oh, it's my number twenty-two. No. No, we can't. We're not doing that again. It's been too soon since the last right, one. Right, well then, so. twenty-three then, one above it. Uh, true, <laughs> truly horrible true stories. Okay. Like remember when we talked about the like Sonny Bean family? Oh yeah, yeah. Who may or may not actually be true, but yeah. Right, so what we're looking into is like not so much like watching a horror movie, but we're looking for horror type stories and mythology, like really horrific shit. Yeah, for stories like that and may, legends. may well be true, and if they are, are like more horrific than a horror film could ever be. Okay, because yeah, oftentimes real life can be more horrific than the fantasy, as we all know, life is pain. Life is pain. <laughs> Therefore, let's <laughs> the be joy like, let's be all Nancy yes, boys. <laughs> okay, well, everyone, go out and read um, Nancy. What is it called? Nancy Boys by Nancy Neil Gaiman, and I'll I'll check it out as well because I definitely should get into Neil Gaiman. Is it Gaiman or Gaiman? I think it's Gaiman. Gaiman. I've not managed to watch season two of um, Bad Omens yet. I just haven't got around to it. I haven't watched season two of Bad Omens yet either. Oh, well, there you go then. And I can't even be arsed with Doctor Who now. Just can't. Just can't be bothered. Cannot be bothered. Uh, I, I, just, I just like to, I like to lose Capaldi. Not lose Capaldi. Fuck sake, Peter Capaldi. Lose <laughs> Capaldi is an excellent Doctor Who. <laughs> you would be an excellent Doctor Who, I think. <laughs> You'd be hilarious. I'd love him to be Doctor Who. No, I like Peter Capaldi because he was a grumpy old git. And that's quite different from, you know, the chirpy Doctor Who type. I, like that. I did just watch the three specials and I've, I thought they were really good. I've not watched the first episode. I've recorded the second one. And what, did the third one come out today? Today, yeah, it came out. And has he finally changed into the new Doctor? He has. And Right, no, I don't want, I, I'm going to watch it. I don't want a spoiler. Uh, Maybe you could tell, we could talk about it next week. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Yes. Doctor Who would be an interesting one. Or, like, I don't know. It's not really. It's time travel. Is that on the list? I don't think it is, actually. Put that down. Oh, well. Time travel. Um, I want to go to the Axis Monday. <laughs> I'm not. What? No, I forgot what I was going to say. God's sake. Something about Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, no spoilers, but I'd say they get progressively stronger. Like, I liked the first one of the specials. The second one was really good, and the one that was on tonight was brilliant. Okay, cool. All right, well, that's it, folks. Hope you enjoyed our lovely stories about some trickster gods. I feel like we could have maybe went into a bit more detail about the trickster side of things. Well, I think Anansi was better than my stories but <laughs> like I suppose I mean getting all the maidens and the village pregnant is a bit of a, a tricky thing like a bit of an, a horrible thing to do to someone yeah yeah but then again it would be quite handy if there was like a fertility problem but then I'm just cynical and I think that the human race should just stop breeding and then we should just breed ourselves out of existence but that's just my opinion I mean, if we all had less children, that would probably be quite a good plan, considering that. Yeah, we're like yeah, a virus. destroying the entire planet. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, use a condom. <laughs> On that note, bye. Bye. I get up.